you know, people of color specifically, black people feel like anything we have, we get, we have to fight for, right? Everything is a fight. But I think the difference now, we have, you know, the advancements in technology that have allowed us to use our voices and amplify them and support each other in ways we've never seen before. What's up, listeners of the Courageous Podcast? Now, I'm going to let everyone in on a little secret. Uh, when we record these podcasts, it's nice and simple for you. We want to stay between your ears. Maybe we're going on a run. Maybe you're in your car. But on my end, I make my poor guests turn on their video. Because I want to I want to see my guests. And I also want to see, I want to see what's not being said. Like, I'm... I'm kind of fluid in subtext. And if, if that's where the conversation needs to go, that's where we're going to take it. Today, my guest is Walter T. Gear the Third. All right. To you, Walter. Yo. To me, you're just Walt. You know, you're Walt. And yeah, and uh, and uh, Walt is now the executive creative director of VMY uh, YNR, VML YNR. Prior to that, you were the SVP and group creative director of TBWA World Health. You got some Google time in there. You got some some New York Times time in there. But let, let's get to the true the true juicy. Can I brag about you for a minute? Oh, you're so kind, Ryan. All right, here yeah, we go. I'm bra- you know it was coming anyway <laughs> at this point. So so <laughs> at, at, Adweek Adweek calls you one of the fifty most important people in media, marketing, and tech. Savoy Magazines called you one of the most influential black executives in corporate America. And personally, I mean, look, this is a, this is a show about courage, and we're going to keep it real. I like the Adweek shout out more because, frankly, to me, I just I don't see you as a talented black guy. I see you as a talented guy, and it's even crazy, more important than that, um, just an overall good dude who's trying to do the right thing. Um, so let's get to it, man. You ready? Let's do it. Let's rock, man. I'm ready. All right. So I did like my spiel there. That was a spiel. But how would you like, how do you describe yourself? Like, what's the best way that you, if you're going to introduce yourself to the audience, how do you go about it? Oh man. Um, that's a good question. I've never been asked that question. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a creative man. I'm a creative that, that sits in between technology, innovation, storytelling, and design, right. That feel that kind of works out trying to figure out, you know, memorable, meaningful ways to engage people, man. I'm a creative at heart, but an individual who cares about others in terms of creating opportunity and space at the table. Well, that last one is kind of how we met, right? I mean, it's been a bonkers, yeah. Actually, you know what? Let me rephrase this. As a white man, here's what you can't see. If I'm in your ears right now, it's a white man interviewing a black man. And it's typical for a white guy to sit here and say, from my lens, as a white dude, it's been a bonkers thousand days. It's been a bonkers three years. Uh, But shame on me for even thinking that. Honestly, you know, like... But no, I mean, truth is, truth is, it's been it is it's been fucking crazy few years, right? For for a lot of us, uh, it's been it's been longer than that for for a lot of others, right? I mean, it's just the time we're in, man, is is a wild one. It's a wild one for so many reasons, man. So, do you feel like you're seeing change? Like, is it is it because if you don't follow Walt, 
I would check his shit out. And I, where I where I stumble into you the most and you stumble into me is probably LinkedIn. And I yeah. feel like you're always there with the right type of message and you're leading the charge. Um, you know, it's kind of a Spider-Man moment for you. And you're probably like, where's he going with this? You know, a great power, right? Great. What is a great power comes great responsibility. And you, you have a voice and you're using it. And then it's being echoed by a lot of others. And do you feel like you're at the tip of the spear and you're at peace with that now? Letting people know that things need to change. You know, I don't know. Like, it's funny, you know, people say, you know, well, you're doing all this and that. Like, I don't really look at it as, as that. I don't look at myself as like, you know, I think it was Adweek or Campaign Magazine. Like, they called me like, he's an activist. I don't even call myself that. Like, I'm just, dude, I'm like, there's a lot of people out there doing what I do. Right. I think that there's I've been fortunate to have been given a little bit of a stage and in, in, in a place to kind of use my voice like some others have not been able to. Um, it's, uh, you know, people see what, what people see is the posts and the content, this and that. It's like you got to realize that like, people are like, Yo, how do you have time for this? Like social media isn't really my thing. You know what I'm saying? Like I. I, I write posts when I'm in the moment. I'm not like, I'm not like a fucking curating my content. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like some, some social media people do. This is just like, not me. Right. So I'm very much in the moment. I write how I feel posts and whatever, if people dig it. So, so, so be it. But like what people don't see is the tremendous amount of, of, of shit I get on, on the tail end of that. Right. And I think at first it bothered me a lot. Um, but I've come to a place of not really giving a shit. But like, bro, if, if you see the messages and the DMs and the hate and the shit that I get in my personal space, um, bro, like, you know, when like a couple, a year and a half ago, I had somebody leave a fucking pitchfork in the center of my my front yard in front of my house. You know what I'm saying? I I get I I have people. You know, I had a woman email my executive leadership team, my global C-suite team. Subject line: Walter Gear. Uh, Walter Gear. Uh, is racist, doesn't hire white people. And like 15 paragraphs on shit that I said from this podcast or that fucking interview to this live, a lot of false shit. Anyone who knows me knows that that's not me, but the, 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 the downside is, or the side that people don't get is, is that, which has been, you know, tough at times, but you know, it's, it, you got to roll with the punches, right? So, you know, I love that you and I got to actually make something together this year. And I don't know, you're one of those guys where, Life is, you know, you have your life. I have my life. I'm trying to make cool shit. I'm trying to make a difference. You're trying to make cool shit. You're trying to make a difference. And uh, we had an opportunity to share your story. It was an internal piece for Johnson and Johnson, and they want to be better. They they truly want to be better. And and um, and so I sent my squad out to your house to shoot a piece and hear your story and learn why you do what you do. And exactly what you just said about the pitchfork, like that is to me absurd. Like the way the, your feedback on the video and as a creative, I know how hard this is had nothing to do with the content other than you got to take these parts out to make sure people don't know exactly where I live. You got a family. Yeah. How to me, is this your normal now? Yeah, it's weird, man. It's weird. It's uh, I had to, you know, like, you know, have a real conversation with my wife. It was like, yo, like, 
we have to take our content, our our, our, our stuff down. Like our, our dress is like all over places. We have to take it down. I had to reach out to companies and pull stuff. Like my wife doesn't even use her full last name on, on social media or on LinkedIn. You know, people, people are crazy, but like this speaks to the time we're in, man. It's like, and while, you know, I've, I've come to this place of feeling like, you know, this is like par for the whole, right. But it's also like, you know, I understand that if people are acting in that manner, then that means I might be doing something right. Right. And we're in a moment where everyone is like, not just me, but there are people who don't like what I say that are using their voice too. I, I can count out countless people, you know, on LinkedIn that, that say shit that's totally, you know, unfortunate and, and not, not right. But this is, this is the world we live in today, man. So I'd, l- I'd love to sort of toggle back and forth between this like personal stuff and then also professional. And I don't think we have to have like, and now we're going to talk about professional stuff. Like, let's just kind of see where the conversation goes. But to me, that idea that you have to spend extra energy on, again, from a white dude, uh, what seems like I mean, I've never felt threatened to leave my house. Right. Like what did it for me, my light bulb moment on all of this, I live in Southern California. So I live in a, I live in a bubble in a bubble. Like there's a lot of white people where I live. Right. Just, and to (laughs) me, Cali's nice though. Cali's nice. You know, I mean, Cali's not so bad, but to me, the, it was the Aubrey moment. Uh, That's the one that got me. That is the one that short circuited me. And I realized like my bubble in a bubble of whiteness, like, the, the safe confines of San Diego, right? But then this, a 25-year-old dude just going out for a run in South Georgia. Yeah. And that was the one where I was like, I've never, ever felt threatened to leave my house for a run with the exception of threat of my own brain reminding me how much I hate running. And like, this is, how has this become okay? And it's not okay, obviously, but we keep seeing it over and over again. Um, and so that's the one that really was like, wait, I, how do I do something? Like, how do I be part of the solution? And maybe, I don't know. Do you feel like since you were six, seven years old, this has been your normal and just like, you've got to find delicate ways to let white people like me know, like, well, that welcome to my world. Like what's, what's your take on all this? Uh, you, know, you know, it's, um, Look, you know, I've this is something that many people who look like me have kind of grown up experiencing and seeing firsthand. You know, I can tell you times where I came home and, you know, I could like the back of my hand seeing Rodney King on live news. I can be in being in my bedroom with my parents watching my TV like, oh, my God, what, what is happening? Um, you know, times where I was, you know, I remember when I was 15 going to a, a kid's birthday party that was at a hotel. Uh, they had like a couple hundred people there and like a, a fight broke out. So people left and then they're outside or excuse me, people were loitering around the hotel. So they were trying to get people to leave and being outside and a, a fight broke out then stopped. And then everyone was just hanging there for like another half an hour later. And like before being asked to, Hey, to, you know, vacate the spot by police, having a big truck pull up, this said canine on the back doors open. They just start attacking people. Like this is, you know, this is shit that I have experienced for a long period of time. Not to say that it is okay by any means, but like, 
you know, we've seen these stories play out. We've seen people protest. We've seen, and, and many times I think the, the, you know, people of color, specifically black people feel like anything we have, we get, we have to fight for, right? Everything is a fight. And so it's stressful, but, but we as a people have also been, you know, in this, in this kind of situation where like, we're always fighting for everything we want. Right. But I think the difference now over the past couple of years is we have, you know, the advancements in technology that have right, allowed us to use our voices to go and amplify the them and support like now each other. Like one person in their fucking bedroom does a post to Twitter with a hashtag and then, and then you, you can set the world on fire. So, you know, I think we're in this moment that's, that's special for, for a lot of reasons, uh, because I think that people have become, you know, empowered, right? They, they feel like I can use my voice. I can, I, you know, do this thing called freedom of speech and say the things that I want. Um, but it's also difficult because, you know, while we're continuously fighting and fighting again now in this social space and asking for space, um, you know, it's, it's, it's dealing with others doing the same thing. And it's, it's, it's tough, man. I don't know. I can't say, I don't know where a solution lies, right? But I do know that um, it's important that as many of us as possible speak up for what is right and what's wrong, right? What's just and what's not. It's funny. I I, uh, I moved to California. So I was in New York City forever, you know, and learned from all the crazy admin people, probably like you, and have really good mentors on how to tell us great stories. But I, I thought I was done with the business. And um, yeah, for a long time before I had kids, I was of the mindset of I'd rather have I'd rather entertain 2.2 million people than have 2.2 kids. And then you have kids and that changes a little bit, right? But <laughs> but one of the one of the shows I wanted to come up with was a concept called DSA. Not USA, DSA, right? And it took place in the future, divided states of America and the whole idea was like 20 years down the line, 50 years down the line and now it was so bad, like what groups would take what states and as a Jewish guy? Well, we're taking we're trying to take New York. We're going to take New York. Like who's going where in the DSA, basically. And it's sort of a sad concept, like yep. that we really can't figure out a way. Right. We just, and like you said, we're all throwing grenades in social media and, and like even the hate commentary that's going to your leadership team or to you. Like, and they're hiding behind an anonymous name. And you said, like, where's the solution? Well, you're a problem slayer. You get paid to come up with solutions. So what's, what do you think, like, the strategy, if you got a brief on, a creative brief on this, <laughs> what, what would the brief say? Oh, my God, man. That's a, you know, I don't even know. That's a good question. I mean, <laughs> Wow, that's huge. I mean, but, but but here's what I think is interesting about why you said that, right? It's like we we have all these we back down on a lower level into like diversity in advertising and diversity in these spaces, right? It, it's actually funny that like we attack we tackle briefs every fucking day for, for like multi million dollar, hundred million dollar campaigns. And that you you'd think that someone would say, hey, how do we solve? How do we create a brief around tackling the problem of diversity in the space? I mean, look, when I look at it. It's, it's, it's how, do we, how do we create a level playing ground that allows people to feel they are on par with everyone else, that, you know, equality, right? Like, that's, that's what people want. Like, people want to be seen as equals. And yet, I'm not sold. This is part of the problem. I think I'm a fairly conscious, 
I'm not a robot, right? Because our business forces us to pay attention. But I think a lot of people are robots. They're kind of just walking through life and it's their awareness levers are low. And I don't think a lot of people see it. So like, how do you short circuit them? I mean, I think that's what the brief is, right? Like, or is the opposite. I mean, look, this is not a small place. There's 340 million people. I wonder, I mean, I don't have an answer on this. I just wonder like, is it, is it 1% or no? Or is it like, no, Ryan, you're back in your bubble in San Diego. You're off your rocker. It's 50% of people that are, what is it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I could put a finger on it, but I can say this. It's like, you know, when you ask, like, you know, what do you do to get someone to kind of, you know, believe or feel a certain way? It is it is the same way when we tell stories, man, in creative, right? In an advertising space, right? You you create something that elicits an emotion, right? It's one thing to tell someone, hey, dude, like if you play, if you play the lottery, you could be a fucking millionaire. It's an entirely different thing to say, hey, check this guy out. And see this guy's story of like rags to fucking riches because he signed one thing 15 minutes later. Now this guy's driving a fucking Lambo. He's sitting in a house with like 55 acres. When you see someone experiencing something, and it's why like we look back into you know murders over these past couple of years, and like every like everyone had this wake up moment because every single person was home. Like, and granted, like I'd hate to say this, but like if we weren't in this pandemic, it probably wouldn't even have blown up the way it did. Right. Because people will be in their life doing their thing, traveling to places, going back and forth to work. But when we're all home and we see this happen, I think for a lot of people, that was that 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 moment of eliciting an emotion, that moment of saying, oh, shit, this is crazy. Right. So it took the world stopping for the world to see something. Right. That, that, that has been happening for so long. So that when we say, like, how do we how do we create, you know, how do we influence people? How do we create change? I think it's getting people to understand the situations we're in or how we feel by by allowing people to share their stories. Right. Because I think just stories go so, so far. I mean, I think that's why we both love stories, like what's what a story can do for somebody. And yeah. um, and by the way, I also think, uh, you know, let's let's say that 50 percent of this of the audience listening right now come from storytelling, marketing, creativity. We'll just call it, call it that for today. Don't you think if there was a brief for the pandemic, like for us, it's like, oh, this is just another day. Like the client said, we have to wear a mask. So you got to wear a mask now. And I almost feel bad for the button down and khakis people who've never had to deal with this do you see it that way too like we're most qualified for the chaos of a pandemic <laughs> for the job yeah dude i'm loving this man look i haven't cut my hair in like fucking two months on this man i'm, I'm looking no one can see right now but i'm looking really homeless <laughs> yeah. I'm jealous. I wish I, I wish I could cut my hair. I, I got no hair to cut over here, but, uh, all right. So let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about this from a professional standpoint. So yeah. are you, I mean, we kind of touched it at the beginning, but do you feel like it's actually changing in the boardroom? Like, are you seeing, I mean, do you feel like I'm the only black dude in this room or is that changing now? Are, are you seeing a difference? 
So, yeah. So, I mean, I'm seeing some difference in some places, some, not all, right. I think that, you know, I'll speak to my agency, VML INR, right. I think that we've hired a, a quite a bit of talent, people of color um, over here. Um, I can tell you as a fact that when I get on my, my calls, whether it be, you know, my clients like Pfizer or Walgreens and so on and so forth, like I see, I always see another person of color, specifically several black people on my calls, on my teams, right? So I definitely see and feel it. I think that when we look at the industry as a whole, however, you know, we're not, where we're seeing a lot of change and this is a continuous thing, right? Is like at the lower level, some happening at the mid level and a very small few at the senior level, right? So, you know, I look at, even when I look at my agency, like we have like 14,000 people, like, so like changing numbers is really difficult, but I think that you can go into any office or any brands, you know, building and see very quickly whether this feels diverse or not, right? Just by simply looking around, right? So, so I think numbers make it a little difficult, but I'll say that, you know, look, it's, you know, I, I would, I would have wished that we had seen a little more change than we have, but like, and I say this because yesterday uh, I went back and every like four or five, six months, I look through my list of diversecreators.com and, and I look at the town and I go around and hit up friends and, uh, we were up to like seven or eight black ECDs in the entire, you know, uh, agency space within a holding agency a few months ago. And now we're back down to six, seven, seven, we're down to one, seven, one left to go to freelance. And then I believe at the time we were up to two chief creative officers that were black and now we're down to one. Right. So, you know, there's still like you go and search both jobs like an ECD you search for holding agencies in the United States you'll find around maybe 50 60,000 hands down easy right so you know we're, we still have the same problems and I think that part of that is very much like what we're seeing play out you know play out in the NFL right I was gonna bring it up right? yeah. yeah I mean it's like it's a, it's a very very similar thing it's like it's okay 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 we're gonna do this diversity stuff all right and like that version of the Rooney rule version of what we see in the, in, in these companies right and agencies and so forth is that fucking one thing that we fill out when we do the application you know gender male female race ethnicity right and it's like and so so they're they're tracking that clue because they're giving that back to the government or whoever needs it uh, but that in many cases is a, is a check on the box like i can't tell you and i did a post about this the other day like i've mentored countless people who like went through interview process for weeks right and then just like nothing people that were so talented and nothing so like you know it's a it's a bigger problem that still has yet to be truly solved but i think that again and i say this to on the face i've said this over the past few years we will see the change in a lot of these companies if you bring those people to senior levels. Like when you start to see C-suites that are, you know, people of color, even disabilities, because let's be honest, we talk about diversity, no one fucking talks about disabilities, right? And that's that's real, you know? See, I wonder if it's, I mean, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to do what we do in our business, right? Like, I'm going to extract myself from the situation and observe the situation, try to figure out, like, rationale on how did this actually happen? Yeah. So, uh, both the NFL scenario and, like, okay, let me just humor myself and say I'm back at big agency, right? I'm back in a big company, and I think it's, like, old boys club still. Another way to yeah. say that. Another way to say that isn't to vilify old boys club. It's to say when I was coming up in the business, 
the people that I, I could really trust who are my level as we've grown. And you're right. Like, I can't remember. I can't remember a Walter sitting next to me. It was another white guy. So, so is it like, okay, this problem is going to get solved. It just might take 20 damn years until there's genuine trust with the people on your left or, or your right. I like Derek Walker. I love him. I could have it like, yeah. I love Derek. This is what he said. My favorite thing that Derek says, like your iPhone should have won the, the Nobel peace prize. Like, because now that we can record everything, we're seeing shit that's always happened. It's always been there. Yeah. Very Derek. But if you and I started an office together and I'm like, Oh shit, Walt, Walt knows he's talented. We're back to what I said at the top. You're not a talented black man. You're talented. Is that what it's going to take is like real building, real relationships yeah. and trust? Yeah, I get that because I, and I do. And let's to be real. It's like I'm sure that there's a lot of people who really do believe in making change and whatnot. But to your point, there's people who started companies and been together since they were in high school. Right. And that like that is what it is. That doesn't necessarily mean you can't make spaces at table, though. Right. They're like, look at how many I can tell you so many co-presidents, co-CCOs, co-CMOs. You can create room if you want to create room. Right. But, um, you know, sadly, I've come to this place of like I, I, I continue to fight because I know that the words I say and the things that I do are creating some type of change, not as fast as I'd like. Right. But I'm, I'm one person. There's many of me who do the same. But my, my point, though, is that, you know, when um, I, I don't know that we will see that type of change until like our children are coming up because I think that our children, you know, my daughter's seven, like they're her generation, like her friends are white, black, yellow, like every fucking color. Right. And they don't see that. Now, granted, there's, you know, we are taught at our earlier age to hate, to dislike and things of that nature. But I do think there's something different about that generation, their access to technology for like born with an iPhone in their hand. Right. Like I think that the change we're going to see is coming, but not, right now right in the generations to come i mean i wish to god i could be alive for it, but i don't i don't know <laughs> right yeah but you're right like i think I, and i always so you know look the platform's courage right so you can't get to courage without auditing the fear first so where's the you know you about do we address fear or do we suppress fear so a lot of my a lot of my business right now is more leadership stuff. And I'm, I'm just a translator, like trying to help the leader understand what's important to the next generation. And I, I found myself saying this quite a bit that mirrors that exact point, like to the, to the older leader, it's change to the next generation. It just, it's, is, it just is, it, is. Love that. it just, yeah. right. It just is. It's like, guess what? I know you don't know how to look at 11 screens at one time, that's normal for them. Like it just, it just yeah. is right. And yeah. so they're privy to all these conversations. They wear their values on their sleeves. And, and I even say like, if you look at that next generation as entitled, that's a data point on you. Like, boy, nothing makes me want to work for you by you calling me entitled, by the way, just can't wait to stick around and give you my all. And so I'm with you. I think it's just going to take time as much as we wish it could go faster because the next generation's looking at the world very differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, my hope though, throughout that wait is that we have disruptors and people who, who stand up, 
right? For what's right, who speak for what's right. And I know that that's very difficult, right? Like, I know it's funny because like people always say like, well, like, you know, how do you do what you do? How do you, do you feel comfortable? Yeah, I feel comfortable. But I also am in a space where I get that type of support, right? From my CEO, from my CMO, and people who believe in what I say. There's many people who, white and black, right? Can't go out on social media and just blast shit just because. Because there's just that fear of like, oh, damn, like this this might look bad on me or this like cost me my job. I've, I've kind of gotten to the point of, not really giving a fuck, you know, like, you know, like everyone's got that like grandparent that's like, yeah, you know, uncle so or whatever grandpa says is like, really doesn't say, doesn't give a shit. Like he's going to say some left stuff. Don't take it personal. Like, I feel <laughs> like I've gotten to that point. <laughs> I feel like I've gotten to that point in my life. Like, I, like, I really don't care. But like, even like, you know, when I called out Mark Pritchard, right. That, like that's a lot of money coming into WPP. Right. And like, they were like, cool, like, rock it, do it. You know? So you know, support is necessary. I mean, there's there's a lot in there. And I want to talk about the Pritchard situation for people that don't know what the heck we're talking about. But I, I'm going to give I, – I, I don't interpret it exactly like, fuck it, I'm going to go there. Like, I actually think you're so laser clear on what's important to you. And I only know this not because I'm a mind reader, but because we did the piece on Johnson and Johnson. And I know that that every decision you make, you have your daughter at the front of and the type of world that you hope you can help make a a dent on. So it's better for her. Um, And so you might be like, "Uh, I I, I don't really give a fuck. Yeah, because it's that clear that everything you're doing is about laying the work to the type of world you hope that she has. And I mean, it's, it, it, so I don't want people to feel it's a throwaway. There's a, there's clarity in why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's, it's hard for, for an adult or person who doesn't have a child to understand what that, the power of a child does to a person, how it changes you, your perception on life, your feeling on things. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, that is entirely, a, it's like, yes, yeah, so I've come to a place of not giving a shit in terms of saying what I have to say. I'm doing what I have to do because it is what it is. But also to your point, yes. I mean, it's knowing that the things that I'm doing are help setting up a foundation, you know, for her. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Give, give the audience a little, uh, color behind the Mac Mark Pritchard, like the whole thing. Cause I, well, actually when I started like great power, great responsibility, I was thinking about, huh? Okay. I mean, you're calling out a pretty big, rock star leader in marketing and and then and i don't i think you did it for the right reasons and then a whole lot of people were like yeah where are you on this conversation and they're responding and so just from your lens like how did it all go down and maybe let people know who mark even is yeah yeah so mark pritchard is uh what, what some would consider the most powerful man in the world of advertising right powerful because he works at the largest brand and the biggest spender in the world which is png procter and gamble so he is their uh, global cmo chief marketing officer uh and, and basically holds like tons of money right that everybody wants access to so i mean mark i good genuinely good guy guy who's who's making massive amounts of change um and why i reached out to him on social media was a, was a simple one it said this is also a guy that that holds so much power like what he says goes right it's like done so i had done a post about him tagging him on linkedin and essentially said hey look like you know all you have to do is say one one thing and you can change the entire industry which essentially is 
anyone who wants to touch my business has to set these numbers up in terms of diversity across the organization. And, that, and if they can't hit it by this date, then they will no longer have my business. And that is a fact that if he said that, everyone would be like, done. And like the whole fucking industry would change overnight, right? All their clients and then every Pepsi, everyone follows what PNG does. So then you just see every level of their organization do the same thing, right? It would be a massive ripple effect. Um, of course, you know, you know, my agency saw it and everyone's like, okay, cool. Like, all right. You know, they know that I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I'm sure that some of them behind the scene were like, oh fuck. Like this is a, like, now we're fucking with, with our money. Um, and he reached out to me a bit, you know, a little while after that on, on LinkedIn, candidly, he was like, Hey, let's talk. Let's hop on the phone. We got on the phone. We had about a 20, 30 minute call. And he got where I'm coming from, understood who I am as a person. He told me some of the things that they've been working on and some of the things he hadn't really said publicly. And I asked him, why don't we do it in, in public? And he agreed. And so we had a conversation. It was super insightful. The things that came out of that were pretty wild and unexpected for a lot of people, but um, a positive thing that, you know, afterwards I can tell you like countless C, you know, C-suites from Omnicom and, you know, WPP, everyone reached out saying how they shared that, that conversation with like their entire staff. So it was a good learning experience. And again, why I do a lot of those is because, you know, it's about transparency, right? You're able to have these transparent conversations with people who make a real impact on the industry and them talking about what it is they're doing and not doing enough or what they need to do to be better and, and, and asking of their brands and clients to do the same. I mean, on a personal level, I always, I think courage breeds courage, right? Like when you're courageous, which you were and you are, it, it makes it easier for you to stay curious and keep going down that path. But did you feel, do you feel like progress was made on that call? Like, are you happy with what you've seen or like, I'm curious, like, you know, I'm curious here if you feel like it did make a difference. We are moving in the right direction. Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, so one thing I thought that was the most powerful part of that conversation was when he he had said this once before about a year and a half ago, then it got buried, no one talked about it. So I brought it up again. It was the fact that this is a guy who is of Mexican descent. Not many people think that. You look at him, you think, oh, this guy's a white guy. Um, he had said that he basically hid his ethnicity for 30 years of his career. And that if he had not done that, he would never have the job that he has today. It was very clear and candid about that. And I, and, and, and went into kind of just detail about that, his experience and his father was an immigrant and working on a farm and everything in Colorado. And what was important about that was it was important for other white executives to see this and say, holy shit, because it's one thing for other people to say, oh yeah, because of black, I didn't get it. But this is a guy who made it, like top guy in the world who literally said, wouldn't be here if you knew I was Mexican and that he had hit it for his entire life. So, so I think it was, that was impactful. And I think insightful, like it was a, that, that was a, a learning experience for all. And even the fact that this guy, for all the people who were on that watching, right. People who touch his money for that guy to basically come out at the end of the conversation and say that, you know, um, you know, multicultural is like, is, isn't like, it's, it's, it's uh what do you say? Oh God, I forgot the word he said. Multicultural is uh I forgot the word he used. Basically, he was saying like, it's like multicultural marketing is like global marketing, right? Like, like if you're going to be marketing and like, it's all multicultural. So to kind of like piecemeal that off as like a separate thing is like so far from beyond what anyone should be doing. I forgot the exact words, but it was, it was a powerful uh, moment, a few moments in there for, for people to listen in and say, wow, okay, I get it. All right. I like to like every once in a while, you know, this is my own 
need to stay creative. You know, I, I always see myself, I'm not a business guy. I'm a creative business guy, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I wish more business people knew what creativity could do for the bottom line. And I wish more creatives knew how to make money. And so I try to stay in that space. So this is one of the things I like to do is create these little business haikus. And, you know, for, well, before for, you go there, let me, before you go there, let me show you something. So absolutely. I'll show you something that we can't, that we can't show the, the listeners. So you can't say, but I'll show you who I'm going to call out on Monday. Okay. And I can't say, I, can I, can I, you can't, you, say, you, you can't say, okay. You can't say, but you can speak, you can speak to what you think. Okay. Cause it may or may not, cause it may or may not happen. Hold on. I'm trying to look at who it is. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 I'm excited for that one. All right. And uh, by the way, off of that, knowing what you're doing, this will go, we'll make sure this goes Thursday. So this will go next week. So this will go next week to, to amplify that. Now I'm, I'm really interested to hear your point of view. Sorry for those people with that are, if I, you were in your ears, uh, I'll just say it's a, ju- it's a juicy one and it's a good one. And I'm, again, I'm really interested to see how you continue to further this conversation but I also want you to like, when I think of you, I mean, your content's double, right? Like you get paid to make content for others and then you have your own content. Uh, where, if you had to choose one, which would you choose? Like, I just do this for me, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I don't like, honestly, like, I, so here's the thing. People get, people get in our space. We, it's so easy to get caught up with money title your your house your car material shit i genuinely honest to god don't give a shit about any of that the only shit that i give a shit the only thing i give a shit about honestly is sneakers i'm the worst of fucking sneakers my closet is is, is ridiculous like j1s 3s 11s right that's me but like but like i'm in like h&m t-shirts and fucking levi's jeans it costs no more than 50 bucks you know and i'm getting a sale right the two for 60 or two for 79 whatever it is but like my point is that like I don't, I don't care about money, man. Like, I think when you start to focus on the money and the things you get, like you, you, it clutters your way of thinking and your approach to things. Right. Yeah. But did you ever, I'm not calling you out. I'm asking, I'm genuinely asking, you know, the irony, right? Like our business, we get paid to, we get paid to move products and tell stories and, you know, so at, when you got into it, has, has, has the stance changed, I guess. No, I mean, so no, I mean, I think over time, yeah, because at first, all I give a shit about was like money, making, making things. But like, as a creative, I think that what every single one of us has deep down, and like deep down in every one of us, is you just want to create something that everyone fucking sees, that everyone fucking touches, that everyone loves or hates for a particular reason. That's what I care about. Like, I like to do shit that I can know, like millions of people, people fucking saw it and they loved it and it made them do a thing, right? Like, I don't care that I drove a person into a fucking seat at a movie theater or feet in a pair of sneakers, but what I care about is made, like I created something that made someone feel a certain way, right? That's why like, I love presenting on stage and some shit because like when I'm on stage and I talk about creative and innovation, like I want to make you cry. I want to make you feel a certain way. I want to make you feel excited. That is, is, is the most powerful source of energy energy to me it was super connected on that and again i think i think it's also like as you get older and it all slows down a little bit and you're like really think back to what what you want to be known for well that's a that's a good place for us to i think end is all right so for the listener let's say and i'd love for you to do this and address give me give the listener the a white listener 
and a black listener, each of them, one thing that they could take away from this conversation, one thing that they could do. If I'm a white leader or a black leader, what's one thing each can do they could extract and start doing right now? Yeah, I think I think the easiest one is, and this is I, I, we were just talking about this, but I, I fall back into mentorship, right? Because I think when you take the opportunity to mentor someone or teach someone something that you've learned, um, that costs you nothing. It costs you some time, but nothing out of your pocket, right? And I think that that mentorship goes so far, right? You can create so much opportunity out of that. But I also say too that it's you know it's you know, it's easy to make a connection, right? And I say connections because there's plenty of times where people say, hey, I saw this job. Can you get me to the right person? Can you do this? Like connecting someone costs me nothing. Like nothing comes out of my pocket. And I think that's mutually uh, is, is, is beneficial for a lot of people. But I'd say I'd lean back on the mentorship, man. Just help people, help one person, right? Like I did a post on that. Like I, I, I asked my entire network, I don't know, like a month or two ago, if they could actually, you know, mentor two or three people, you know, this one week. And that that whole thread just took off. And I had like CCO of Walmart, CCO of TBWA, like like every fucking agency, all these huge brands jump in and say, hey, I'm willing to help. And out of that, I mean, must've been like a couple hundred people were actually, you know, mentored that week from a, from a single post. Like that stuff makes a massive difference in, in someone's life. Man. So, so the same advice, mentorship or connection? Oh, sure. And, Absolutely. And. Absolutely. Cool. All right. It's, well, something we all, it's something we all can do. I appreciate you, man. Any any final words? Any any questions for me? What do you got? Anything? No, what I can say is, look, I appreciate you. I appreciate what you do. And you, you give me your platform and other people your platform. Uh, you, you're a real one, man. And 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 I, I only hope and wish that we have more people who stand up and do what's right like yourself, man. So you, you create room and space for people to use their voice, their messaging, and so on and so forth. And that's that's powerful, man. So so thank you. I appreciate you, Ryan. Oh, come on, man. I'm glad you have something to say. Right? <laughs> and keep 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 going and you know it's kind of a love fest I'll, i root for you too and i hope i hope we, we can find something else to do together at some point even though you're on on the east coast with good pizza and bagels i'm stuck out here and with the warm weather and fish tacos in san diego well you got good, uh, you got all the vegan restaurants and everything you know man i'm trying by <laughs> the way I, I vegan's not gonna happen but i i did promise my family my kids are like don't you like that cute little piggy i'm like oh here we go so i'm trying to go pescatarian this year i'll keep you posted on how i do all right, well, on that, man. thanks for joining man be thanks, good so. i appreciate you man